Everybody have a good Thanksgiving. Did you get enough to eat? I heard somebody say no. Did you get enough of your family? I, I kind of tease them about that, but the truth of the matter is, uh, sometimes their family gatherings or just family in general can be kind of taxing. It's never like that for me and my family. Uh, when I thought about that at the first service, I realized maybe it's because I'm the one that causes the problems in my family. Very real. Uh, but it is, it is a real thing that sometimes um, the relationships of family or just family in general can cause stress, uh, especially, especially accentuated during the holidays. And um, I share that with you today for a purpose. I'm not trying to bring you down or anything like that. I actually share that with you today as a word of hope. Today we are beginning a, um, a new sermon series for the Christmas season entitled An Unexpected Christmas. And all during the month of December, we're going to be looking at the Christmas story, which we do every year, from kind of an unexpected perspective each week. And today we're going to be doing that as well. And um, each one of those unexpected perspectives of Christmas, I believe, is going to bring you a blessing and a word of hope at the same time. Um, As I mentioned a moment ago, there is um, stress that can come with being a part of a dysfunctional family. And to one degree or another, we are all part of dysfunctional families. And again, if you didn't, don't feel that way, it's probably because you are the dysfunction. Just remember that. But we are a part of dysfunctional families because we are all dysfunctional. We are all sinners, right? And that's what can cause just the stress of family. You've heard the old saying that you can't choose, you get to choose your friends, but you can't choose your family. Well, um, that is true. But today, I'm going to remind you of a, an even larger truth that in fact you can choose your family, and I'm going to show you today how, okay? If you have your Bibles, I want you to open them up to uh, the New Testament book of Matthew chapter 1, and if you didn't bring your Bible, you're in luck because we got all kinds of uh, Bibles here at the church, and if you're using one of the church Bibles, it's on page 959, I believe, Uh, Matthew chapter 1 is 959 in your church Bibles there. And as you're looking that up, by the way, we're not going to have the passage up on the screen as we often do. So it's really that it really is important for you to open up your Bible to this because what we're going to be looking at today is it was kind of too much to put up on the screen, but it's going to be important because I'm going to be pointing to certain things in that the passage found in Matthew chapter one um, that you'll you'll want to pay close attention to. While you're looking that up, um, one of the things you may notice once you find it is that. Um, much of Matthew chapter 1 is, the, is one of the genealogies of Christ. Now, I don't know if you're like me or not, but when there, there are genealogies scattered all throughout the Bible, if you haven't noticed that. And if you're like me, when you come upon one of these genealogies, your eyes blaze over. Does that happen to you? I'm just going, why am I doing this? I mean, I can't pronounce most of these names anyway. It's like Zerubbabel begat Melchizedek and Jehorakim and, and blah, 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 right? And the whole time I'm trying to read these names, I'm thinking, why does it even matter? Have you ever thought that, Kevin? Come on, I know you have. (laughs) Well, if if you're like me and you've thought that, why why did God even put these these genealogies in here? Because they just don't mean a thing to me. I want to tell you why. 
And I want to begin, I want to lay the foundation for the why by telling you this, reminding you of this. Everything in the Bible, every word in the Bible is there for a purpose. Do you believe that? If you don't believe it, that may be one of the reasons why your eyes are glazing over. I'm telling you, every word in the Bible is there for a reason, for a purpose. It's to instruct us and to inspire us. It's to help us understand God, the nature of God, as well as help us to understand how to live as God would have us live. Every single word in there is, including the genealogies. Now, um, I mentioned a moment ago that this is one of the genealogies of Christ. Um, If you look over into um, Luke chapter 3, you'll find another of the genealogies of Christ. Now again, if you're like me and you've, you've maybe read the Gospels, you've probably discovered that, that um, when you start reading these things, your eyes glaze over and you've really never paid any attention to what these genealogies say. But what I want you to notice today, one of the things I want you to notice, is that um, the two genealogies of Christ, the same person, all right, the two genealogies of Christ at one point diverge. Did you know that? Had you ever noticed that before? When I say they diverge, I mean they're different. Now, how can that be? If another truth that we believe as Christians, especially here at Prairie Bible, is that that every word of the Bible is true that there's no, there's no mistakes in the Bible, especially in its original language. There's no mistakes. So how is it possible that we have two different um, family trees for the same person if there's not a mistake? Well, um, first of all, let me just say this to you as a human being. If you ever come across something that seems not right to you, the place you should begin is with you, not with God. You understand what I'm saying? So if there's something that seems like, I don't understand this, or this doesn't seem right, the problem is not with God, it's with you. Okay? That's very important to understand. So what what is the answer to the question? How is it possible, if everything in the Bible is right and true, how is it possible that these two genealogies of the same person are different? Well, here's a possible explanation. Um, how many of you were a part of the seamless study that we did as a church? Some of you were? Huh? Yep. Well, one of the things that we learned in the seamless study is that the Gospels, you'll notice if you've read the Gospels before, that some of the Gospels tell the same stories, right? And um, one of the reasons why they are told, the same stories are told but from different perspectives is because they were written originally to speak to a particular group of people. The Gospel of Matthew was written to speak to a particular group of people. Who, does anybody know who that was? It was the Gospel of Matthew was written to speak to the Jews. Now, I mention that to you because if you were a Jew and you were wanting to, to trace the family tree of somebody, you would always do it through the Father. Okay? So, who is Jesus' father? Mm. Who is Jesus' earthly father, Steve? Joseph. All right. Now, see, he's ahead of me. Listen to me now. 
We've got, we, we know, so if you're a Jew and you're trying to convince the Jews that Jesus is the Christ, you would want to say things in a way that would draw them in, right? So what they did, what Matthew did was he told, he, he traced the genealogy of Jesus through his earthly father, who was Joseph. But we know as Christians that Jesus' real father, not his adoptive father, but his real father, his real father is God. So what you find in the Gospel of Luke is Jesus' genealogy traced through his, his one kind of biological parent, who is Mary. Now some of you are sitting back there going, wait a minute, doesn't the Bible, wasn't there an Old Testament prophecy that said that, that, the, that uh, the Christ must come through the shoot of Jesse, through the line of David? Guess what? Both Mary and Joseph. So either one you look at, but both of them came from the line of David. You find that interesting? Just say yes, please. Okay. I Actually, I, I do find that kind of stuff very interesting, but that's really not what I wanted to talk to you about today. It's part of the story. It's part of the Christmas story, but I'm going to share a part of the Christmas story, specifically looking at Matthew chapter 1, and we could use... Um, Luke 3, 2, but um, I want to share a part of the Christmas story with you today that is probably unexpected to most of you. You probably have never even thought of this part of the Christmas story as part of the story, but it is. It's the genealogy of Jesus, as we've been talking about all along. What I want to point out to you today is that all these names that you find in the, in the genealogy of Jesus represent a person. Now, that's not earth-shattering, is it? Truth of the matter is, some of the people that you'll find in this genealogy of Jesus, if you've got your Bibles open, I want you to really look at these, okay? Because I'm going to point some, I'm going to lift some of the names out for you in just a moment, and I want you to make sure that they're in there. So many of the names that you'll find in the genealogy of Jesus, um, I couldn't find any historical um, evidence as to who they were or uh, what they were about. But some of them I could. And they're the ones that I want to I lift up for you today. If you look closely at the genealogy of Jesus, you will find a, a man named Abraham. Some of you have probably heard of Abraham. There's lots of historical evidence in the, uh, the Bible about Abraham. One of the things that we can know because of historical evidence about um, one of Jesus' forefathers, Abraham, is that, is that he was a coward. Did you know that? So cowardly was Abraham that not once but twice he hid behind his wife for fear of his enemies. Not necessarily one of those things that you want to celebrate when you're tracing back your family tree, is it? He was a coward. It's undeniable. There's another guy in there. His name was Jacob. Now, Jacob is an interesting guy because his name in and of itself means heel grabber. And you know what that really means? It means he was a deceiver. He was an habitual liar for most of his life. And if you'll notice, remember earlier when I was saying that in, this, was, this is written primarily for the Jews. So, and you trace it back to the fathers. Remember when I said that earlier? You'll, if you look real close, you'll find that, that 
there is a woman mentioned in the genealogy. That woman's name is Rahab. Which The fact that she's mentioned at all is kind of strange because the, 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 the audience is the Jews, right? But the fact that she's mentioned at all is important for a lot of reasons. But one of the things I want you to know about Rahab, the one woman that's mentioned here, she was a practicing prostitute. And then there's uh, King David himself. He was a, an adulterer. And then King David's son Solomon. He was a backslider. And then there's another guy uh, that his name, depending on which translation you use, is Jehoram or Joram. He was, um, he was an occultist or a Satanist. And then the creme de la creme when it comes to family dysfunction. There's a gentleman, I'm not sure that he's a gentleman, in the lineage of Christ named Manasseh. He killed all of his brothers because they represented a threat to his inheritance. And as I said to him last service, I said, how would you like to go to that family gathering, right? Talk about tension. Now, the question is, that you're probably asking is, Craig, I really don't want to hear it. I want to, I want to be happy on, on Thanksgiving and coming into the holiday seasons. Why would you share this kind of stuff with me? Well, have you ever heard the old saying, misery loves company? Uh, you need to know that you're not the only one that, that is a part of a dysfunctional family, okay? Even Jesus was a part of a dysfunctional family. And again, if you don't think your family is dysfunctional, it's probably because you are the dysfunction. Remember that. But there is an even more important reason to hopeful reason to lift all this stuff up. And that reason is this. Many of us have felt, have felt shackled by our family dysfunctions. Many of us, our whole lives have felt like, because, I be, because I'm a part of an, because my dad was an alcoholic, I'm an alcoholic, right? That's what we, that's what I, I have, I'm just doomed to be an alcoholic. Or I am doomed to be this, or I'm going to be this because that's, where my, that's what my family does. Or I won't be that because my family doesn't do that. Listen to me. That's not the way it works. The good news is that your past, your present, and your future is not, does not need to be defined by your dysfunctions. By the dysfunctional way in which you were brought up. By your family lineage. Oh, you can choose that to define you. Or, you can choose Jesus. Listen to me now. One of the reasons why I believe God chose a coward and a liar and an adulterer and a cultist and all those other dysfunctional people to be a part of Jesus' lineage was to remind all of us that God's plan was going to happen in spite of us human beings. To remind us that, his, that our hope didn't, doesn't rest in our humanity. Does that make sense to you? Our hope rests in our Savior, in our Jesus. That's where our hope comes from. And that should be good news to you. Because I know 
I don't know all of you, but I know a lot of you, and I don't need to know all of you because I know human beings. You all feel to one degree or another like you can't be this or you have to be that, and you don't. You get to be what Jesus created you to be. His lineage is what defines you if you let it. You see, really the only thing that's going to stop that from happening, all of these dysfunctional people couldn't stop God's plan of salvation. The only thing that can stop God's plan of salvation is you choosing not to choose. How about that one? That's the only thing. There is hope. I don't know what your Christmas season is going to be like. My guess is because you are dysfunctional people that there will be some unexpected things happen. I don't know what the days after that are going to be like. But what I know is none of the stuff that is bound to occur because we live in a dysfunctional world with a whole bunch of dysfunctional people. Things are going to, unexpected things are going to happen. Things are going to work out the way we didn't intend. But none of them have to define us. If only we will choose to let Jesus define us. Amen? Amen. As you come forward to receive communion this morning, That's the thing that God wants you to embrace. That's the thing that God wants you to remember. If you've already accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, embrace your identity in Christ, okay? Don't, and leave behind, I'm not saying that you need to deny your your family tree. Just don't let it define you. Let Jesus define you. If you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, maybe today is the day for you to embrace the hope that belongs to you because of what Jesus did on the cross and what Jesus did by rising from the, from the grave. Because Christmas isn't just about a baby being born in a manger. Christmas is about a man rising up from the grave, gaining victory over sin and death to give hope no matter what your dysfunctions. Remember.